Hi, I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. This week, we will be doing 10 questions with somebody in recovery, and that somebody is Kate. Hi, I'm Kate. So, Kate, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am nine months sober, almost about a week before nine months sober, and I run a house for New Beginnings, and I love it, and I'm living a better life right now. So yeah, I'm excited to be here. So what is New Beginnings? New Beginnings is a housing program, transitional living, and I run one of the ladies' houses. So like recovery residents? Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you guys uh, affiliated with NAR in any way? Yes, I do believe so. Okay, so you have NAR accredited houses? Yes. Okay, that's awesome, good. Actually, New Beginnings are the only, currently the only NAR accredited housings in Springfield, Missouri. And I think that hopefully we can we can change and add to that. Uh, for those who don't know anything about NAR, uh, I will say basically it's kind of like Car for Jayco for housing. It basically meets makes sure that houses meet a minimum standard. So you know maybe they don't have thirty people sleeping on couches and forty five people per house. Yes. And people being actively taken care of. Maybe there's a little structure and some other things like that. So. I guess, Kate, we will jump straight in with some of our questions. Let's do it. All right, then. I like that attitude. So why'd you start <laughs> using to begin with? Um, okay, so um, when I was 17, I was uh, hit by a drunk driver. I was in a head-on wreck. And that was being in the hospital was the first time I ever used. And I remember it very clearly. I was laying on a stretcher, and they gave me morphine for the first time and I remember my mother saying Katie quit smiling it's like quit smiling and after that it was the first time I felt good first time I felt better and just started there like ever pretty much that moment stands out to me very very clearly so so had there been like childhood trauma things like that or was it just Well, I'll let you answer that first. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I had a pretty good childhood. Uh, My parents are divorced, and um, I do have a... My father is still on active addiction, so I was kind of raised around that. Um, But my mother, on the other hand, she was just a single mom who just kind of wasn't there a lot. She was too busy working, trying to take care of us, and so, so, yeah. Okay. So, what made you decide to stop? Felt like I was running. I felt like I was running every day. My emotions alone were so erratic. And I was just done. I remember there was a moment right before I got clean where I was homeless and I was walking the streets and I was standing over an overpass and 
I just didn't even have the courage to jump, but I, I just wanted to. I was just done. I was just, I was just really done. So this was kind of um, like a last-ditch effort to maybe try to live and want to live. So. Wow, it sounds like you reached some pretty low spots. Yeah, it was got really rough. I was married for eight years, and that was horrible. He was very abusive, and so I was I was just done. I was done running. Well, good. So once you stopped running, you so you found recovery. So that would kind of lead to a next question, which is, what's recovery mean to you? Recovery is so so much more than just staying sober or staying away from drugs. It's it's getting your mental health in check. It's being stable. It's getting your emotions stable. Um, it's having a routine. I think like a lot of people don't think that they want routine. But I think a lot of people do. Deep down, they just don't know it. <laughs> and I didn't know how much I craved that until I had it. So it's finding that job, finding a balance between all aspects of your life. It's so much more than just staying away from bad things, I guess. <laughs> so it's chaotic drug use. Yes. And it's not surprising that the opposite of chaotic drug use may be structure and consistency. Yes, absolutely. Because it's definitely something we generally don't have. And we uh, get complacent. We get comfortable in chaos. And it was so weird to be in a house and just have things calm. And I'm like, I can't do this. This is, things are like, nothing's happening. <laughs> I don't have to fight over Things like it was the weirdest feeling and somebody explained it to me like it's okay to be uncomfortable, but you're just been comfortable in chaos doesn't mean we like it. But I mean, there is, you know, a happy comfort and in the chaos sometimes. So. Right. So we learn to find homeostasis no matter where we're at. We kind of reach that middle ground Mm -hmm. where we we get comfortable. I used to say, uh. I reached a point where I would go to jail and have money on me to bond out. Mm-hmm. And yet I'd stay in jail for a couple of weeks because I could catch up on my sleep. I could gain some weight back. And it was literally less stressful inside jail yeah. than it was on the outside. Or not having a phone for a minute. Just the little things. I'm like, that was that was hard to get used to. But then once I had that routine and that non-chaotic life it was such a blessing so it sounds like you're already starting to catch up uh kind of answer this next one but what were the things that got you into recovery to begin with um simple answer my kids i have two beautiful babies that are five and six and that's what that was one of the main reasons that got me to recovery but now that i'm here i mean it's it's for myself too right but yeah it doesn't matter how you get in there to begin with. Absolutely. You know, I feel like every podcast I have to mention Shorty the Pimp. Because um, uh, Too Short used to say, get in where you fit in. And I always think of that when I think of recovery. So I end up quoting that almost every single podcast that I'm with somebody. But that's okay. I think if the reason, especially at first, if that reason for why you're doing this, like if it changes every day, that's okay. You know, there were some days where I'm like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not. You know, I'm just doing this because this is what I'm expected to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what, you know, but that's okay if it changes at first. Yeah, I think it doesn't matter what motivates us to get Mm -hmm. to begin to take that first step. 
but in order for us to maintain it, that's where I think we have to kind of get invested on our own. That's where that personal investment comes in. You got to start getting to the nitty gritty stuff. Yeah, it sounds ugly. (laughs) I don't like that stuff very much. So, but yeah, it's definitely necessary. So in early recovery, what helps you maintain your sobriety the most? Like what was the number one thing in early recovery that really helped you? Um, the community, the, the going to meetings, being around other people who were, had the same mindset, you know, wanted to go to meetings, wanted to go to church, um, just being around other people who were kind of where I'm at, where I was at. That was probably the biggest thing. Cause when I got sober, I didn't have anybody, you know, you have to leave a lot of that stuff behind. So just being able to come up to SRCC and having, you know, 50 other people knowing that they feel similar to me. I mean, that was, that's great. And SRCC is a Springfield recovery Mm -hmm. community center. Yes. So I think our, I think recovery community centers are are extremely important for us to have kind of. And um, a lot of people are hesitant about joining a house with 10 other people, especially women. However, that was a lot of us, I think, like to isolate sometimes. And in a way, they kind of force the support system on us. You know, they, there's other people you have to interact with, and it doesn't always have to be bad. Like, a lot of people are, are scared when they come into A lot of my girls are scared to come into the house at first. They're like, I don't know if I can live with Right. But they end up loving it. So So how many of the people that you consider best friends oh, man. have you met in housing? Have I met in housing? Have you met through the housing program you're in? Um... There's a couple. I got a couple people that I'm pretty close to. But, I mean, I my circle of friends is huge now, though. So It's amazing, especially you've got all this social. You talked about Absolutely. meetings. You talked about church. You talked about uh, even the RC, the Recovery Community Center. So a bunch of different social mm-hmm. avenues, not to mention probably work and oh, other yeah. things. So. so what's the single most important thing you have done for your recovery? Um, give back to other people. That's, I think that's definitely one thing that makes my recovery work, work for me is giving back to, to the people who are, who are just as broken as I am or was. And what's that saying? You get, get what you have or keep what you have by giving it away. Right. There's so much truth in that. So. So is there one thing you do every single day that helps you maintain your recovery? I pray every day and read my Bible every day. And that just kind of starts me out right. So So what is it that keeps you from going back to those old behaviors, do you think? (sighs) I don't know. That's tough. I mean, I don't there really just isn't a want to go back. I mean, we're not made to just survive like we are made to thrive. And this is the first time in my life that I have not just been surviving, not just been getting by, not just been floating. Um, It's the first time I'm actually, like my quality of life is just, it's great. Thriving. It is thriving. There's not a better word for it. So, yeah. I won't push, but but there's a book called Hope Dealer that was written by <laughs> David Stoker, and in that book, there's actually a chapter that talks about going from 
a victim to survivor to thriver. Because mm-hmm. I think that's important. I think recovery is so much more than just surviving. It's about yes. building this amazing life where you add so many positive things to it that, I mean, I look at using and I'm like, why? even if I could use in moderation for me and my recovery, and I believe there's multiple pathways to recovery and everybody's recovery looks different, but for me, why would I risk it? Why would I risk losing every single thing um, that I've added to my life today thinking, hey, maybe it won't become chaotic again? Yeah. For me, every time that I tried, it always was. It always ended up being chaotic use. Yes. So, yes, I think building that thriving life. And I prayed. I mean, I didn't pray a lot back then, but... There were so many nights, so many moments that I wanted something better. And now that I have what I was praying for, I mean, why would I go back? I like I'm finally getting right something I've always wanted. So. Why would you risk losing everything, everything. you have? So. so, yeah. So that's what keeps you from going back to old behaviors. It's good stuff. Amen to that. So they talk about the gifts of recovery. <laughs> What have been your gifts? What has changed in your life since you stopped using? Mm, where do I start? We got tons of time. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, even just materialistic things, I I just got a car like a week ago. That's such a big accomplishment for me to not buy a car off of Craigslist from somebody I, who doesn't have a clear title. Like That's such an adult thing for me to do. That was such a big accomplishment. Um I've had a stable job for the first time in like four or five years. And for the first time in three years, I get to talk to my kids again on the phone. And I never thought that day would come. So, I mean, I am blessed left and right. That's awesome. Left and right. So, If you could travel back in time and talk to yourself the day before you used, what would you say? Oh, that's a tough one. There is a part of me that wants to say I probably wouldn't say anything. Because even before I started using, I wasn't really happy. Right. So, I mean, this is like some of the happiest moments I've had in my life. So, I I mean, sometimes I think we have to go through, we have to go through trauma. We have to go through those low points to get where we're, just to get where we're at. So, there's a part of me, I probably wouldn't say anything. I just... You know, because I wasn't living a, I wasn't thriving before. Even when I was sober at 16, 17 years old, I was not thriving. Right. So maybe this is what I had to go through to get that good quality of life I have right now. I don't know. Yeah, I always say I wouldn't change anything that's happened in my life because everything that happened had to happen Mm -hmm. to make me the person I am today. And I like the person I am today. But, I mean, the more I think about it, if I could go back and talk to myself at 12 before I used, I would be like, you're going to find yourself with a lot of free times on your hands. And instead of just watching movies and listening to music, why don't you learn how to play guitar? Because if I could change anything, I'd do everything exactly the same, except I'd learn how to play guitar because I think I'd be a whole lot cooler if I knew how to play (laughs) guitar. Probably the only thing I would go back and tell myself is not to get married. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> the only thing that I'm just like, that's one thing that 
I just, uh, right, it sucks. <laughs> but when you're ta- when you're supporting the women that right. live in your houses and that you talk to in the community and at church and through uh, the rooms, how often does that experience come into play and in the support and uh, advice you're able to give somebody else? A lot more than I think a lot of people think. Um, not that men don't have issues like some of us I don't know women deal with a lot of codependency I know I did and so I'm very fortunate that I am able to to relate to a lot of women that come through my house or come yeah. through my life I can I definitely have that life experience and that trauma that you know can hopefully help somebody else yeah so as horrific as it was there's that other side of the there's coin where side. you're like, man, it was horrible. And it's going to help somebody, and I and it has, and I know it will continue. So, Yeah, it's amazing how everything we go through makes us wiser and stronger if we overcome it. Yes. And then we can turn around and share to steal from the rooms that uh, strength, experience, and hope with other people. And then hopefully they, they're they better at sharing theirs with the next group. And then hopefully they're better at sharing theirs with the next group. And hopefully we just kick out this whole community of hope dealers. Of people paying it forward. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I love it. So, you know, these always run a little <laughs> short. So why don't you give us like a five, ten minute mini testimony of uh, okay of you. Okay, um, I never know where to start on these. Okay, so, um, like I said, I had, at 17, I got, that was the first time I started using, and I was not raised in church, wasn't really around violence, like, I was not raised around violence or anything like that, um, and I didn't have, like, that gateway drug, like, my first drug was was like was a needle with the hardest thing like I skipped drinking skipped all of that and um yeah it was yeah not conventional I don't think um and then by about 19 I was pregnant and um a year later my son was two months old before I found out I was pregnant again and ended up marrying their dad because that's what you do when you have two kids with somebody you, you marry them and then the next eight years was just I mean it was pretty brutal and it was in and out the drugs got worse the abuse got worse and I mean it, it was four years before he ever laid a hand on me and I was textbook case for domestics and um, my whole family tried to stop me, tried to help me. Um, but I don't, I mean, I just wasn't ready. I always wanted to believe that things would get better. And I wanted my perfect picture of my family. I wanted my kids and my husband. I wanted all of us to just be normal. And there was a part of me that wanted to prove everybody wrong. And cause they, you know, had a lot of people tell me that it wasn't right to get married and I did get married for all the wrong reasons so um it was in and out of marriage until let's see I'm 27 I was 25 when I I left him first time I did heroin I was 25 and 
my dad says that that took my soul. That's what took my soul because that was when the crime started to keep up with with all of the heroin addiction and um, let's see. I have about two years off heroin, two year, two and a half years off heroin, which I'm so thankful for. Never thought that would happen. And like I said, just eventually I just got tired of running and got tired of being scared. And it's okay to be uncomfortable and trying something new and sober living was definitely something new. I had no idea what sober living was before I came to the house. Like I remember walking up to the house and not even knowing the program I was in. Like, my parents took care of that. And I remember walking up, and I'm like, is this, like, a faith-based thing? Like, because I was not, I'm, I didn't even believe in God. Like, I right. didn't, not, I wasn't angry at God. I just didn't believe in anything. And, I mean, there's a reason it's a cliche that people get sober and, you know, find that relationship with God. And I was one of them. Like, I've seen the, the horrors and... I, I don't know, just something changed in me, and I'm better for it. So I just heard you say you're a cliche. <laughs> I am such a cliche. I That's all I took I from am. what you just said. And people, I mean, all the cliches of, of recovery, like, once you start living them out and they start happening to you, it's like, oh, okay, I get restored relationship, you know, all the stuff that people are grateful for. Right. Like, I used to hate a gratitude meeting. Now I look forward to them, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Well, when you have nothing to be grateful for. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm grateful I'm not dope sick today. Yeah. Yay. It's a little wins. You know. <laughs> it's It was, I'm thankful it's not raining. Like this day would be a little bit worse if it was raining. <laughs> right. Like, that's not, that's no way to live. And so. Well, that's awesome. I uh, appreciate you taking some time to share with us. I appreciate the fact that you just passed your certified peer specialist test Today. Yay! And we'll now be sending off for that certification. And I only missed two. That's not a big deal. But yeah, it's a huge deal. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, it's not a big deal, but I kind of am. I kind of am. I get you. I'm not wearing my shirt today. Wait, which one am I? My, I'm a big deal shirt, but... <laughs> no, but you kind of are. <laughs> and thank you for everything you do for the women through the housing and everything that your future, I'm sure, has, has in store for you. It's pretty exciting very exciting so any last words for our visitors whether it's somebody in recovery somebody still actively using or maybe somebody who cares about somebody with substance use disorder um, it can get better even on even if you're not using I know that I there's always those days where you question why you're doing everything and it just it does get better like I said we are not meant to just survive we are meant to live fulfilling happy lives be excited to wake up in the morning and it is possible because I never thought I would be able to do it and if if I can I mean anybody can so well that's awesome uh if you like this podcast check out uh, our past podcasts we uh attempt to do one every week also uh check out uh Hope Dealer, Better Life and Recovery on Facebook, the website at www.betterlifeandrecovery.com, or check out my book on Amazon, Hope Dealer, because uh, the truth is what we're wanting to do is create a movement of Hope Dealers, and all a Hope Dealer is, I shouldn't say all, but all they are, but what a Hope Dealer is is somebody who's been through something 
has overcome that and is now using their uh, their strength, experience, and hope to impact other people. So thanks a lot, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's the Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at Mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture.